everyone and welcome to Frazzis Cafe Podcast. I'm Michael Frazzis and on this episode, I'm joined by Joel Tomeno, who's recently joined us at Frazzis Capital. How's it going, Joel? Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, what do you make of the, the markets these days? Yeah, look, the porting season's obviously a very busy time. Um, certainly going to be interesting to watch how some of the tech names, especially in sort of e-commerce uh, and software, perform given the uh, pull-forward effects that a lot of companies have benefited from in this period with uh, work from home or, you know, just generally not being able to go to shopping malls, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I guess it's such a shift in spending, right? You had all the people, think of all the money that people would usually spend on on holidays and eating out, which is actually quite a big expenses for people. You know, that's kind of like what people enjoy doing most. Mm. Like all that went to zero for like extended periods of time around the world. And I guess all that spending had to go somewhere. And then and a lot of it went to e-commerce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also compounded by, you know, a lot of the government money that people have been receiving as well. It's been quite a windfall. I mean, a lot of people have been making more money uh, you know, on government rebates mm. and, and stimulus packages than they were before uh, as waiters or working at a bar or wherever it was. Or students, you know, working students. one or two days a week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such a, it was such a weird crisis because it hit so differently. Like some people got, if you're in you know, travel or certain parts of retail, you got really hit or, or hospitality. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, you know, if you had a government job, it was basically nothing, nothing really changed. Mm. And then if you had, um, obviously some people were actual net beneficiaries, in a big way, including the entire e-commerce space. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, you know, Salesforce overnight, uh, you know, they posted results that beat high, the highest expectations on the street and I think that they're sort of looking at opening up sort of 10 or 15% in the aftermarket. Uh, so, you know, these benefits are even still being being received even today. Um, you know, I mean, we're sort of well into, into this crisis now, six months in. Um, and so I suppose probably one of the pertinent questions that, you know, we need to think about uh, is how long, you know, will these benefits and these exacerbated growth rates go for before we perhaps see some sort of reversion to the mean, um, you know, even just flatline growth rates, mm. Q on Q. It can happen. Like, I think it'll be such tough comps ne- this time next year to beat mm. for the e-commerce guys. Even even the biggest companies like Amazon, you know, if, if e-commerce went from 25 to 35% of total sales in the U.S., you know, what happens next year? Does it reverse? Could you have like a negative year on year? I mean, this is like a million dollar or in Amazon's case, I guess a trillion dollar question is, you know, how much of that will reverse? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if, if you haven't adopted or been acquired by one of these software or e-commerce companies to date in this time period through, you know, the virus, it's probably unlikely that you are there going to sort of acquire those customers over the next probably one or two quarters. So mm, that's true. Um, you know, those that have held out this far probably aren't going to cave in and become a customer in the near term. Yeah, you think that they really have pulled for a lot of customer acquisition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's some local examples, like Redbubble is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, they look, they look extremely cheap, but then, mm. you know, something like half their revenue was face masks. Mm. So how do you unpack that? You know, on the one hand, like, of their web stats are still, you know, exploding. They're clearly doing very well. It's always been a very interesting model, right? It's like getting artists to submit designs and letting people kind of like, buy the ones they wanted mm. um you know is that cheap or expensive and it's probably still it looks still very cheap mm. but it's just so hard to tell like are those customers going to stick like is that genuine organic growth or is that like one-off pull forward of spending 
and even if it is one up, even if it is like somewhat consistent, has it all been pulled forward so that even though the five year story is intact, perhaps the one year story from here is pretty weak? Because um, I guess obviously there's companies in the opposite situation, right? Like there's companies that people didn't spend money on that will have lots of pent up demand. Um, and there's a good chance, like one of the a very likely outcome is that they're the best performers over the next year. Mm. Um, and some of those fit in like the value space as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even back to, you know, sort of e-commerce, a lot of those mature markets, like in the US, for example, where, you know, you have seen, you know, up to sort of, I don't know, double growth rates um, now to sort of pre-coronavirus levels. Um, I mean, some of the more interesting things to look at are perhaps those with less mature e-commerce environments. Um, you know, I'm particularly one of our portfolio stocks, Mercado Libre. Um, you know, I mean, very low levels of penetration uh, in the Latin American market. Um, and so even though, you know, perhaps we might see sort of a peak COVID uh, customer acquisition growth period over the next one or two quarters in, you know, places like the US with some of these uh, more well-known e-commerce names, um, you know, perhaps there is still value to be mm. recognised in some of these sort of other markets. Yeah, definitely. I mean, parts of South America, it's like 3 to 5%. Mm. Um, so that can basically effectively 10x from there. Mm. Whereas obviously if the US is at 35 and China's even higher, then there's no 10x opportunity there mm. um, in terms of penetration anyway. I guess there's the other interesting thing about Mercado Libre is the payment side of things. Because if you think about the penetration of, firstly, the penetration of the internet, not even like e-commerce in these places, is much lower than you'd think. Mm. Um, but payments, like payments around the world, we're still using cash in Australia to some degree. And, you know, that's, that's been something that's changed over the last five and ten years. Um, these companies are so far, you know, where there's so many years ahead of them in terms of growth in both payments and e-commerce that, you know, they're really multi-year stories. Yeah. Um, the other one's C, of course, in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So again, you've got countries with four to five percent e-commerce penetration, um, with huge opportunities to grow. Just, I mean, the, the economies themselves are maturing and developing so rapidly. Even that's like a powerful tailwind. Add in the fact that, you know, the e-commerce penetration itself could 10x on a fast-growing base, and then you've got a, a fast-growing company that's kind of taking market share within that. You've got a really compelling opportunity, irrespective of coronavirus. Yeah, definitely. What's the other thing we're thinking about? It's kind of like, I guess we are trying to orientate a bit towards these plays that um, are in that pent-up demand category. So Disney would be one of them. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. That's got that explosive growth, customer love in Disney+. Plus. You know, they've got such a powerful platform, all those characters, all those universes. They just put up blockbuster after blockbuster. I can't remember the stats, like however many of the top 10 films of the last you know, a few years have been, you know, basically Marvel, but also Pixar. You know, it's like they're really dominating that that spend. So when you go to the movies, um, the odds are you're going to watch one of these things. They're just so reliable. Like so they, they can actually transfer that customer love into hundreds of millions of dollars per film. Um, and then adding the fact that people haven't been going to theme parks, um, people haven't been travelling, That's that part of the business is, still looks like it's been written down. So Disney Plus has grown to whatever third of the size of Netflix, say, in very very little time. Um, that's kind of shielded Disney from dropping, you know, as much as a typical travel company, but it still dropped over fifty percent. Um, it still hasn't recovered. So the way I see that is, there's two parts. There's like the Disney Plus part, 
which is like kind of the whole entertainment bit. And then there's like the in-person travel part, which is like theme parks and whatever cruise liners they have and things. And so effectively like that part got written down to zero. The entire value is in the Disney Plus. Disney Plus itself has been growing very fast. And now the the cruise ships or more, more pertinently the theme parks will be written back up. Um, and so you'll get like this double kicker in one year's time. And so I think, I think it's a really interesting story. I mean, I'm such a firm believer. I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm such a firm believer in the pent-up demand. I think people are going to travel like nothing else next year. And all these airline companies that look basically bankrupt now will have their best years um, in 2021. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I mean, in terms of holidays, you, you might actually just start to see a much higher volume of, you know, just holidays done within your own country, uh, less travelling abroad via ship or, or air. Um, mm. well, I guess you're seeing that now in the interstate. You know, it's just traveling interstate. Yeah, and in which case, you know, that's going to bode very well for Disney. Um, you know, mm. a lot of theme parks starting to reopen, assuming that they can also sort of run at the same capacity as before the virus. I mean, that's going to be another element to sort of consider is how gradually do they uh, sort of return those capacity levels back to normal. If that's true. Yeah. So I guess you're still, but I guess one thing, the market will be ahead of it, right? So even if you're kind of at a period of week where, of week kind of capacity where there's all these restrictions and, you know, once once the end is in sight, um, that could all change very quickly from a market's perspective. Mm. Like the stocks will just instantly reprice. That's actually what I think might happen um, in a vaccine. I think I think it's one of those huge days where the market will probably be up one or two percent, but the shifts under the surface will be enormous. Mm. Um, it's something we need to think about because we've been such beneficiaries of coronavirus. Um, but I think uh, there's been a few days of rotations, basically exactly along mm. these lines, like airlines, cruise ships, Disney up. Um, internet infrastructure, e-com, super high growth, coronavirus beneficiaries down. Uh, we've kind of been okay. So the question is, do we have enough of the other stuff to like balance the portfolio? Mm. Um, and I guess the other thing is like if, if, if there is a re-rate in growth, that will just put things down into smack bang into value range and you'll be able to buy those 50, 60, 70% growers, you know, at very reasonable prices, potentially their long-term multiples, um, which means your turn would be the growth rate which means it'd be extraordinarily high. Um, so if it does happen, it probably doesn't, if anything, it's like a reason to be excited. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing to think about is a lot of our companies are, or one thing we think about, a lot of our companies are in that pent-up demand space, even if they're in the e- e-commerce space. So think about Carvana and Tesla. Like they basically sell stuff. I mean, Tesla's almost online selling. Um, Carvana particularly is like that's their business model. Um, but both those companies were able to actually grow through the crisis. Um, so you think that as auto demand bounces back, and it should b- bounce back really hard at some point, um, both those companies should explode. And I think that's why they've been so resilient at the moment because they're kind of like two bites of the cherry. They're like kind of, well, certainly Carvana is. It's a double bite of the cherry. So you've got the e-commerce growth. But then you've also got the fact that you've got this huge cyclical low in autos that is about to come rebounding back hard. I don't know if it's a year or two years. Um, you know, orders work, right? There's like this underlying pent-up demand, like underlying number of people that, um, people that you know, turn 18 or start a family or have a new child, a, a second or third child that need to buy a car. Um, so every year, irrespective of whether they buy a car, that kind of demand increases. Um, but obviously a car is quite expensive. It's very easy for a family to say, actually, well, we won't buy it this year or buy it next year. And that's why these, these companies are so cyclical. And adding the fact that they're, hu- they're hugely capital intensive, um, extremely like sensitive to small changes in demand and you get a highly cyclical industry when you think about it. 
So you've got the fact that on the consumer side, on the demand side, people happily just, you know, put off buying a car for a year. Like that's just like a very easy decision to make. And then you've got a ba- then you've got the other aspect, which is extremely capital intensive factories that really need to keep producing at a set rate to make money. Um, got a pretty like tough industry to work in. But Carvana obviously um, doesn't have those capital intensity issues. They're obviously investing very hard, um, but they will be a beneficiary. They were able to grow through the 50% fall in auto demand, which kind of shows how compelling their offering is. Um, and I guess kind of validates that point. It's like the most important thing is to have that compelling offering. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think also, you know, there is going to be another tailwind, which is that, you know, the coronavirus has to a degree changed a behaviour forever. I mean, there's going to be a large cohort of individuals that just don't take public transport anymore. You know, they that is true. Yeah, driving to work, they're going to probably Think buy that. a motorcycle. They're going to, you know, get a push bike, whatever it might be. Walk to work, even. Um, you know, public transport's going to probably come under a lot more pressure, and those sort of funding systems that governments often pay for. Yeah, I wonder what the psychological effects of all this are. You know, telling people you have to like sanitize multiple times a day, and mm. we want to become germaphobes. Well, you know, go to a meeting. Do I shake the hand? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of sick of that awkward moment. I want that to end. Do what I hope. Do what I hope stays though is a sanitizer at the bottom of buildings. I quite like those. <laughs> I think you walk in, you sanitize. It's sweet. <laughs> it seems to make a difference. Like, have you had a cold this year? I haven't gotten sick once. Yeah, no, I haven't either. I think it must. I want, it must be to do with all this like social distancing and it's like constantly not really shaking hands and sanitizing yeah not on buses and trains and not on buses and trains yeah yeah i'd love to know where the colds actually come from yeah it's a bit of a mystery isn't it like they just kind of appear out of nowhere or maybe we just worked it out Mm. it's one of those things anyway (laughs) (laughs) what else is on your mind yeah look i mean it's reporting season at the moment so there's obviously a lot going on um i mean a lot of companies that are reporting that have been market darlings have started to sort of show some cracks. I mean, Nanasonics yesterday was, I think it opened down 15%, closed down 10%. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's just one of the classic companies that's been heavily impacted by uh, elective surgeries and, and things like that that have sort of dropped off materially and, and the growth rate just now doesn't stack up with, with the multiple that Evaluation. are trying yeah. mm. it's, stri- it's still staggering that it was like barristers and doctors got hit by this crisis as well, like the most kind of rock-solid professions yeah yeah definitely the, the ones that you, you thought were bulletproof for the ones that were hit uh, i think it was interesting with uh, the acquisitions of afterpay the afterpay made in the u.s so in, the, in europe, europe yeah. so they've now got a strategy clear to hit uh, italy france and spain yeah i mean just adds to the land grab um you know i mean u.s is obviously now the most dominant part of their business and they're obviously handling themselves over there so yeah why not go and explore further mm. for more growth and it's worked, like the, the model has just worked everywhere. So there's no reason to think it won't work. Yeah. 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 Um, which is pretty scary because now we're up 90 bucks. You're looking at very high territory, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, this thing can go to 200. There's no rules here. Yeah. You know, if they're creating value, they're, they're maintaining their 100% growth rate. Well, yeah. it's not unreasonable to expect the stock to kind of follow and double every year. I think I remember so many people sold at 20 and 30 at the 10x mark. Yeah. And this would be that one that would have been 30x for them or 60x if it goes to $200. Yeah, I mean, really the only other geography that stands out now is, uh, is China. Yeah. Um, and I kind of have a feeling they're going to do something there. Yeah, That's my take. They do. Tencent payments. Who else was it? Uh, Zero did another acquisition. Kind of like Afterpay. It's pretty small. 
but it kind of signals their intent. Yeah, like I mean, both those acquisitions. It's another thing to just add on, right? I mean, they were already using uh, this particular provider, so it was obviously just uh, you know worthwhile bringing them in house and and you know reducing the payout that they, they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's that buy versus build decision. In this case, it made sense to to buy. Yeah. It also says, look, they're doing invoice lending, so they've got the data. They can see people pay, yeah. like who's paying who and what, whose cash flows are who, whose cash flows are what. So. That should, in theory, give them a pretty good insight into lending. And I guess, I guess the value add is if they can lend to people that otherwise wouldn't get funding. Like in many ways, you'd think Zero has a better idea than a bank, even, because um, they've just got a clearer financial picture. They've yeah. got the actual accounts. Yeah, in real time. Yeah, in real in real time, like day by day. Whereas a bank is kind of like, we'll get all that information, sure. Mm. You know, the reports maybe they'll see cash in and out for that one part of the business that they manage, but the reports will be like carefully. You know, they'll be late, they'll be delayed, they'll be done by accountants once a year or once a quarter. Um, it's not actually that good of a picture. Um, so Zero can find ways to lend to people that otherwise wouldn't be lent to um, and do it fast and easy. Maybe they can build a pretty good business on the back of that. Yeah. Mm. Kind of shows again and again on these platforms as well. Like there's so many, the markets are, the times are, for a really good company, the times are always so much bigger than you think. Like there's so many different, if you're succeeding in one area, if you're getting customers, if you've got like, people using your product there's there's generally so many different avenues like adjacent avenues that you can go to generate revenue um pretty interesting another yeah. case in point of that yeah definitely should we wrap it up there yeah that's it. sounds good and that wraps up episode 34 of frazzes capital podcast i'm michael frazzes and if you want to find out more about us please go to www.frazzescapitalpodcast.com Hope you have a fantastic week.